Hello and welcome to another episode of After the Whistle. As always, you are joined by myself, Cyril, and my co-host, Moose and Donald. What up, guys? Hey, guys. So, guys, uh, how's everybody's? How was everybody's week? I mean, mine was fine until today. United messing things up as usual. Massive opportunity thrown it away. Really disappointing. But how about you, Moose? Same sentiment. So you're not letting United doll. Oh no, mine was so so. Just typical, typical so so week. I like that game. Mine, answering the question myself, mine was 50-50. I mean, I got to see the Celtics hoop. <laughs> Beat that Lakers ass. I don't care whether it was a weak-ass Lakers. It's a victory, still a victory, and the United failed to do their business. But I'm still counting this weekend as a win, as far as I'm concerned. Kicking them when they are done with fire. No problem. <laughs> I mean, that's what you do to your enemies, right? You vanquish them every opportunity and chance you get. So I don't see what the issue is. Yeah. Uh, so this week we have quite a very interesting, since the latest some might say, topic for discussion. As Africans, uh, when we do follow sports, one thing that we are particularly interested in is how other Africans fare in the various sports leagues that they are competing in. Myself, I do pay attention to the African basketball players, or players of African origin, and the football as well. When you are watching and you see a name that comes out, that sounds familiar, like, oh, this guy, you follow him, see where he's from, and you keep an eye for him just to hope. Just yeah, naturally. Hope, yeah, naturally. just hoping that you know a brother breaks through. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And one thing that keeps on coming up time and time again is the perception of the African athlete. And I say athlete just to encompass all Africans engage in every activity, sports wise. So we have yeah. the track and field, running, racing, football, basketball, tennis. And there's always a typical stuff. Energetic, strong, powerful, powerful, built like an ox. My goodness. It almost always seems like it's the Africans athletes' physical attributes are all that he brings to the table. Yeah, certainly. They feel like that precedes, like that comes before anything, any other possible, you know, attributes that an African player can possibly have. If they're looking to buy an African player, <coughs> I guess one of yeah, like you said, the first things they'll be looking at will be be expecting actually you know looking at expecting will be strength power and you know yeah basically a, a bully <laughs> you know no, no, like yeah they're looking for a bully you know but a destroyer they're, they're looking destroyer. for a grunt exactly they're not looking for they're not necessarily expecting first of all a very technic a very technically gifted player or you know something like that so yeah I I, I see what you mean I see what you mean Okay, so let's try let's try unpack this and figure out and see how we can approach this discussion. So let's start with the African players, just see the profile. Are there certain positive attributes that can generally be attributed to African athletes that, you know, are by and large fair as a characterization of African athletes? Moose, any jump to mind? Well, um I guess <clears throat> I mean, if it's if it's positive, it's positive. If it's true, it's true. But sometimes, you know, it just gets problematic because whatever attribute you give to a group of players, if you stick to it for too long, you sort of put them in a box that you have created for these players. So however positive it might sound, I feel like we've had enough... We've had quite a fair share of players who fit every you know every type of attribute that you need to become a successful footballer that's very true i mean outside the fact that 
they might be foreign or not from where they're from you know being originally not from yeah not from there originally like yeah. most of them being foreign I feel like I don't see any attribute to be you know beyond their capabilities so to speak but the the common rhetoric doesn't reflect this and that's where there seems to be quite a few problems uh, as far as I'm concerned uh, Donald do you, <coughs> you share the same sentiments or what do you think yeah I think um I think it's fair. I think, yeah, I generally share the same sentiments. But I think that people make these comments based on, like you said, you're asking if it's fair for people to say these things about African players. But I feel like there are some people out there who have probably, who feel that there are certain trends that they've noticed with African players. And it's because of these trends, that's why they generally expect these things of African players. So they've noticed that a lot of players coming from Africa are generally looking to be, you know, tough midfield players or strong defensive players. So they generally assume that, okay, if I'm getting a player from Africa, then, yeah, he should be a very tough player. So you feel the players are looking to be that? And, yeah, so to that point where now players are actually beginning to believe that okay this is what these people expect now this is what these people want to see from us now so now we are going to fit we are going to play to fit you know their expectations I mean most did raise a point earlier about how no matter how positive the attributions are towards African players it still confines them in that it builds a set of capabilities that they will always be reviewed by so in one sense you have a system or a league <coughs> that expects African players to come in to be robust midfielders exactly. tough tackling centre backs yeah. or maybe what your bombarding centre forward big strong can hold the ball and can you know play up front all by himself yeah. and players down here feeling the need to actually meet a demand exactly. are now typecasted Ex- yeah, they're type so we casted. do as Mo said we also do have other the other skills the technical players we do have that we can point to our own Abedi Abedi mm-hmm. yeah. Nigeria can point to our yeah. JJ or coach we do have technically yeah. gifted players so it's not as if it's just an either or for Africa but you see what you just said you've mentioned Okocha and Abedi Pele right so right now let's let's look at the the, the current the top leagues that we watch Okay. On you know on a weekly basis. And this is staying with football. Yeah, this yeah. is staying with football. Sorry, football. Um, the best African players in the leagues. How many of them are you know actually? How many of them are wingers, strikers? You know, technically gifted players as compared to midfielders, defensive midfielders, defenders. The best African players in the Premier League, for example. Do we count fullbacks as Aurier? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean Aurier is a very good fullback, <laughs> technically gifted, of, of course. <laughs> but I, but I mean, like, yeah. Go I feel like we should also take a step back and talk about what we have a problem with, because I mean these are players and these are very good players. It's all about how we see these players being described and the sort of language that is used, because sometimes not so overtly. Is just trying to put forward the view that you know there's there's a sort of uh, a physicality versus intellect exactly. divide, yeah. where exactly where the predominant like the black players are predominantly of the former, you understand, than the latter. They are more of like okay, the physical grunt to do you know the the pretty hard work, the water carriers, so to speak. Yeah, and then you have you know 
Well, I guess the white players, being those who are more intellectually capable, being those who actually have to... They read the game. Have to read the game, use their intellect, you know. And this is true. This 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 is something that this is something that said there have been so many instances where people who are who hold very powerful positions within sports, within like varied sports, you can tell about how people describe let's say a Serena Williams when she wins a tournament. I mean, at the end of the day she won the tournament, but there's so much going into how she plays. Beast. Force. Yes. Force you of know, nature. Yeah, she's a force. beast. Yeah. She's a beast. She's yeah. a hard-hitting tennis player. Yeah. You know, speak about her technique, uh, what do you call her physicality, as opposed to her technique. I don't think if all you have is raw brute force, you are going to be the number one tennis player in the world. If that's what it takes to be the number one tennis player in the world, then that's all it takes then I guess what you're talking about doesn't count. Either that or you're not describing her fairly because I don't, excuse me to say, I don't think she's unintelligent. But they never really speak to that. But yeah. you can't be unintelligent and be such a good tennis player. Mm-hmm. But you you can just tell from how it's described. When, you know, when they talk about, even you, you speak about someone like Simone Biles, you know. Yeah. I mean, you could, I mean, you could say something that. Non-race defined to say, okay, because she's so short, you understand, she can actually incorporate more flips and a certain number of flips into Cold her routine. Exactly. That a uh, much taller athlete couldn't do. But sometimes, you know, the race thing rears its ugly head. And, and I mean, just recently, we've had so many of that. There was, um, there was, I think, one of her competitors who lost to her. Who made a comment that said, "Well, maybe, well, maybe if we all painted, painted our skins black, we yeah. would have a chance of winning." You know, yeah. trying to, you know, bring, you trying to yeah, invalidate her success, and yeah. I, I think she went on to apologize for it. But you could realize that it also spurred a lot of other, you know, unspeakables to also come out and say certain things. I think there was this this one guy called David Cerali, who's actually an official. For the Italian Gymnastic Federation, who says something that, you know, black, uh, what do you call it, black sportsmen really, they focus more on using their power to yeah. win. Yeah. And even went so far as so to say some really dumb dumb stuff. And this is this is someone who is an official. You know, so this is someone who oversees, you know, oversees sportsmen in this country. And if you believe these things, how do you feel this person is going to be taking decisions with respect to, you understand, non-white athletes who are also trying to make it. This is someone who said, why are there no black swimmers? Because their physical features don't suit the sport. <laughs> you, I mean, this, this, is a, this is absolutely like, you know, and also you have to speak about how these people believe these things and these things translate into how they deal with people outside of sports. Yeah. Because if you feel like black people can only do the grunt work, can only do the hard work, it also translates into you feeling that, hey, black people can't really take up certain jobs that re- that do not require so much of physicality and require more of an intellectual capacity. And it, I don't think it's a stretch. I think, you know... People believe these things and they extrapolate them and they affect how they deal with things. It's in either real life. it's either how they feel in real life affecting how they see sport or the other way around. But it's still a belief. And I mean, a black person is a black person. And if you believe these things, it carries forward. Yeah, that's what, 
That's what I was going to say that, you know, there was, you know, some people say that um, sports is a reflection of society. So basically, yeah, if people believe this outside of the sport, that, you know, this is how black people, Africans, you know, generally are. These are the attributes that you can associate, you know, with them. They definitely translate that into sport and also, you know, judge them based on these similar attributes as well. So without asking the ACW team to, you know, delve deep into societies, <laughs> society, <laughs> the societal structure and makeup, you know, um, I'm curious, why do we, what would we attribute to these behaviors? Because as we rightly pointed out in the last uh, five minutes, there are counter examples if you bother to look hard enough in the various sports of athletes that yeah. just don't rely sorry African or athletes of black origin African origin that just don't primarily rely on their strength or brute force and even if the assumption is an athlete relying on brute force just to survive or just to make it to the top in their game which, which sports is that really possible in I guess apart from wrestling where that's what you really need <laughs> I would think even even though even the wrestling wrestling is actually a very technical, technical sport. Exactly, you yeah. have to be smart and apply your like strength, taking yeah. absorb your opponents, you know, push and all that. So there is an there is an element of intelligence to exactly. be played. You have to every, parlay your strength into your move, into your technique. Every champion is a technician because every sport has rules, and you're following the rules to win. And you really you really have to keep those rules in mind. And you have to understand what you need to do to win. So every sport really has an intellectual element. You have to know what you're doing, even if it's boxing. You know, you're playing a psychological mind game with your opponent. You're punching because of this. You're punching because of that. You're dodging. You get what I'm saying? So it's 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 really unfair, but you can you can see it from the sort of narratives where they speak about black players, like. Just look out for it. Whenever you know, whenever there's a there's a black player, black sportsman winning something, it's 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 always you know it's always within that realm. It's always oh okay, he's he so strong. He overpowered. He's over. This was <laughs> this was beastly. This yeah. was you know. And I mean, you even look at football. I would say even some of the greatest technicians in football have been black. I mean, you have to look, you look at Pele. You look at Pele. At the top, you know, you look, you can come down to Africa. You look at JJ Okocha, he was just brilliant. Even Ronaldinho himself said he used to watch him play. And I think Ronaldinho played at PSG as well and said, yeah. and said, you know, like he, he, when he came to PSG, he knew that this was the team Okocha played for. Even Ronaldinho, I, I, I say Ronaldinho is black. You understand? Neymar, Neymar is black. And let's just say, even. Um, Zinedine Zidane, one of the greatest technicians. He might not be black, but he is. He's an African player. Yeah, he's an African player. He is an African player, and you have you have some of these people who should know better. There's also Vieira. I mean, if you want to keep mentioning players, there, no, there are there there are a lot of them. So if you want to, if you want to talk about them, you have Samueletto, who's just one of the best number nine. One of the best forwards you could ever you know you mm. could ever have. And you see, my problem is how. These things are affecting the next generation of sportsmen one way or another. Because also, you have to worry about, are these things affecting intake? You know, are these people, do these people believe these things? And are these beliefs affecting which of these young sportsmen are being given the opportunity to make it? Are they looking at a group of, you know, 12-year-olds and saying, hey, 
the tallest and most muscular of the black guys, you know, who make it to the team. And then for the other players, oh, you can be small, oh, you know, you can be a bit but slight. We prefer the non-black slight. You, you, I mean, we are not just saying this is happening, but this might be something that's happening. And if it is, it ha it's, it's quite problematic because also, as a player, when you do have those many opportunities to make it, you're not really going to say, oh, I'm only here because because of my physical attributes, so I'm going to turn it down. You're going to take the opportunity because as far as you're concerned, this is something you have to do. You know, this is something you have to take. You know, uh, these people now, you know, even when signing players, these are people, you, these are individuals who sign players. Are they now signing players with this at the back of their mind? Are they signing African players feeling like, hey, I'm only getting this guy because, you know, he's cheap, he's hardworking, he's not, he's not so smart. You know, do I need to? And that's where I have a problem because it really has to be checked and something has to be done about it. Because when you say the white players are smarter, you know, you're you're sort of indirectly saying the non-white players aren't. When you say, but you see, you have to be smart. Black players are, are smart and hardworking. White players are smart and hardworking. Any athlete it's about at any athlete field. at the top level. Yeah. Is that you understand? Fine, you can say fine. He might not be as intelligent outside of the sport, and maybe you might have a point. But as far as the sport is concerned, if he's that good, he's not he, yeah. yeah, he must be doing something right. And we don't, we don't see that. We don't see that in the descriptors, you know. And I, and and the saddest thing is, you know, having um, like I said, people who have influence in the game. You know, respected people make certain comments. I mean, even someone who coached the Black Stars, Ratomir Dukovic, one time after a game, he said, he famously said, you know the problem with Africans, they are not disciplined. You know, and this is someone who is in charge, you know, this is someone who is in charge of a black African national team. So if you are able to say these things, it means you believe these things and it means it's affecting how you deal with these people. I would think and discipline isn't something that's, you know, that's just a black people problem. If a group of sportsmen are indisciplined, they are indisciplined that you should take them on your own merit. You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't bring a whole, you know, a whole race of people or a whole continent of people into your prejudices. And that's where there's a problem. Not to say a group of sportsmen cannot be indisciplined, but when you put that stain on it, then you know, no, this is this this won't fly. I think the the media also play a massive role in this in this in whole thing. In the, yeah, because the what stories are they putting out about white players and what stories are they putting out about black players? You find a lot of the times with white players, they're talking about their achievements, like you said, their skill, their capabilities. But then when it comes to black players, a lot of it is you know negative, and they are overrepresented when it comes to you know crime stories and things like that. Stories about, you know, with regards to violence and... Of the field activities. Yeah, of the field activities, you understand? Yeah. So the media plays a massive role. And like you, you as, uh, Moose was saying, when people in high positions where, you know, you know a lot of people listen to you and everything, listen to your opinions, when they come out and then they, you know, pass these comments that, uh, that are suggestive and, you know, re um, represent black black athletes the wrong way, people also start to believe that, oh, yeah, you know what, this is, this is actually, you enable people who also believe these things. 
to come out to come out confidently exactly you and emphasize exactly they normalize these views so we've identified officials within the sports these are the ones you know changing or directing the discourse by yeah. their utterances they normalize the conversation exactly. about these are what or this is all the black athletes can am- amount to then we have the media that are just trying to sensationalize stories yeah. somehow it's much it grabs a headline saying that a black athlete has you know done xyz outside of his sports has a baby mama off field <laughs> exactly it's a much more interesting title it's a, yeah. than to say yeah. that this black athlete actually executed a perfectly oh, yeah. complex tactical exactly. setup that the yeah. coach drew and yeah and that, that's one thing that they do as well when a black player or a black athlete lives an exemplary life it's like oh wow that's incredible. We didn't know you were capable of this. He is. He you is, know, he's elevated to so far yeah, outside the norm. Exactly. And then there's always that, that almost inevitable. Let's wait for all this to unravel. Exactly. Because it's always too yeah. good to be true. Yeah, too good to be true. We might be jump. We might be taking a tangent here, but then you can reference Tiger Woods to a degree. As in black athletes that tend to, you know, lead that exemplary life, the media almost always seems to wait for the moments where they fail. And, and jump like, on who were so right, and yeah. suddenly that one moment invalidates all the oh, exactly. And then he just his, their career just become another example of why black athletes are X Y Z stereotype. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a damn true. shame. It's, yeah. it's 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 a it's a really big shame. But you see, the thing is, we can't talk about this without, you know, its effects on greater society coming into into play because the big ugly R word is going to come out, whether we. As, as much as gentlemen say we're racism, as much as, <laughs> as much as as much as we would like to sidestep it, you know, like I said, there there are much more overt kinds and there are much more subtle kinds, but we have to we have to accept that even even today even today when you see how much you know policy work and how much work is being going into certain initiatives like kick racism out of football, it just shows you that the racism still is a problem in football and i mean you would expect to you you would expect it to come from people who don't know better not to say it's okay but at least, when they do, but at least, but at least yes but that's why i keep ignorance saying ignorance you can learn you can learn but when you have people who should know better that's why i keep reiterating that that's when it's really really problematic because we hear about racist incidents in football pretty much every other week. You know, we hear about racist incidents in, in certain sports and it's it, re- it really it really goes to show that we are not as far along as we claim to be and the cracks are showing. Because not too long ago there were certain sports that you know, players of African descent, black people weren't allowed to play. Let's just let's just talk about the NBA right now. There are people who would not believe that for such a predominantly black sport. It used to be all white. It used to be all white because it used to be all white and black players weren't allowed to play. I mean, as far as the the most recent statistics go, over seventy five percent of the NBA is black. Over seventy five percent of NBA players are black, and it's strange to think that just you know. A number of decades ago, they weren't even allowed to play. But to come back to the point, you know, and it, it's <clears throat> these these ideas are affecting how the game is played because when you look at such a sport that has so many black people as the NBA, and then you look on the benches, you know, you look at the technical staff, you look at the head coaches, you know, you realize that, okay, 
they've taken a few steps forward, but as far as certain things are concerned, they are still a bit of a way. Even long. if you go all the way out to ownership, that's where the stark divide just becomes. Exactly. Yes, but, you know, yeah. but I feel like ownership ownership at this point really mirrors society because you have to know you have to now talk about stuff Mm -hmm. like you know where the wealth is and who has the wealth so to speak yeah so but when you talk about because you would expect the coach to be the smartest part of the team pretty much and you know I, I I looked through some work by Howard Beck who does you know some stuff for Bleacher Report he's, I think he's one of their top NBA writers and it's it's pretty stark you know you look at a league that's over, over 75% black and then you have you know about eight head coaches who are black you know I mean not to not to be unfair to some of these people but if you look at the head coaches they they're all former NBA players all the coaches who've never played a game in the NBA are white. So somehow we have retired NBA black athletes. That's somehow Irons making the cut. That's somehow Irons making the cut. And this thing was also, has also been a problem in stuff like football, with stuff like the Rooney Rule mm-hmm. and other things. Because you have, you have, you know, overrepresentation in certain areas, but in other areas there's a very big diversity problem and. It's not far-fetched to think that this is an effect of certain people sharing these, you know, same prejudiced ideals with regards to these people. Because, I mean, nothing against Brad Stevens and Luke Walton, but you have to understand that they are in the NBA, in their, their NBA head coaches in their 30s. Which is I mean, a very unique position. Which is a very in. unique position to be in. I mean, you don't see, you, you, you don't see a black head coach, the black head coaches are actually very... Just college experience. Yeah, with just college experience. They're actually, you know... Veterans. Veterans, you know, very long in the teeth. You understand? Assistants for so long. They cut their teeth. Former NBA players. Only given the chance because their head coach was fired and they had to, you know, see the team. (laughs) Yeah, you know, they weren't really headhunted. Nobody really sat down and said, you know, this guy is really good. So it's... There's, you can you can keep running away from it, but it just keeps coming back to you, and you can just keep drawing the lines to show that you know these things are affecting how opportunities are coming to these people. And you know, speaking about coaches as well, you look at the situation and you think that the black coaches, right, are judged differently. If a white coach yes. comes in and he messes up, you know he's going to get another opportunity. But then with a black coach, right. He comes in, he messes up one time, and it's like... This is very controversial, but, I mean, you might might really have a point there. And, I mean, it... It cuts across. It cuts across, and it's about the descriptions. You know, whenever they hire a white coach, he's a great strategist, you know. A student of the game. He's a student of the game, (laughs) Uh you know. He studied his X's and O's. But, you know, when you hire a black coach, they always talk about his recruitment skills. His charismatic. His his charisma, his relationship with the The players. players. I mean, are you trying to see that you judged him differently for him to get a job? Are you trying to see that there isn't a threshold of basketball intelligence that you have to achieve to be a head coach to be a candidate at the very least that these people haven't you understand haven't passed no you have to you have to get you have to get real here these people are really smart people these people know their work but you know you always get that feeling that oh they've been it's it's it feels like they've been around the team so long that they were just (laughs) they were just an easy decision yeah i mean 
No way, we are not. It's 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 very problematic, and I'm and 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 I took my time to select that word because there's some very choice words I could use to describe <laughs> that, and uh, you know it's it's tiring, it's tiring, you know. It sometimes it it really does get to you because you see that people are looking for opportunity, people are ready, people are ready to show what they have, but you know there's so much prejudice that's limiting the opportunities that are available to these people because i wouldn't hold it against anyone who was qualified you understand to get a position but sometimes you just feel like more people from a certain group should get more positions because historically it's been so stacked against them that if it keeps yeah. going on, it's only going to exacerbate an already bad problem. And just to build upon <coughs> the last point Moose just raised, I don't think the ATW team is trying to say that we should just let open the gates wide for like a, for all black coaches everywhere. Yeah, because the simple fact remains. He mentioned the NBA is seventy five percent predominantly black, but the stories, the narrative hasn't changed. Yeah. This black athlete still gets stereotyped in the NBA. LeBron had to do a whole lot, had to win a freaking ring, come back. Still, he still gets negative press. That's true. And he's been the perfect model athlete. No, no scandal whatsoever. Okay, I keep saying this. LeBron is the model athlete. And yet, even he still gets judged by some insane standard by the press. So, is this isn't very. This isn't a case of ACW team pushing for more black players. It's just asking that the judge the scale and representation when discussing players. Yes. Like judge them based on you know they their impact be, they on the be field. Treated fairly. Because I feel like as an athlete, if I read about myself, as I'm sure most will do, it's going to be slightly disappointing to find out that the only stories that come out about you are the, the time the time you went to the nightclub with your friends, mm-hmm. the clothes you bought, the car you drive in your garage, and all that stuff, and you see your teammates. And all he gets are, oh my God, playmaker, twinkle toes, his feet, magical. And yeah. you are just the one like, yeah. we play in the same team. I helped him also win all the trophies yeah. and all the medals he has. But all I get is, taking it out for example, I cried about my birthday cake. And that suddenly becomes my defining moment in my exactly. career. That's, uh, yeah. That's true. I mean, like you like you said, like we, we, like we said, um, when it comes to black players... The headlines are mostly they are off the field, you know. The drama. The drama, the drama behind the scenes, you know, what they are up to, what they are not up to. And, yeah, their work gets pushed aside. And, you know, players like LeBron are constantly having to defend, you know, uh, demand respect. You know, like you said, he had to win what? A freaking championship. Every championship. An impossible one at that. <laughs> exactly. Before fin- before people would finally accept that, yeah, he's actually... I guess he's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. God. It's, 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 a, it's a massive shame. It's a massive shame. Uh, Muz, you would, you want to, uh, would you want to tie up tie up this conversation? Because I feel like this conversation could go so many ways. I mean... No, it, it, it could really go so many basketball, ways. Right? Some basketball <coughs> fans could also, post, could also point out that, I guess, when it comes to the minority, this is a white minority, they get described as scrappy gym rats, you know, st- spend long in the gym when describing them... So I guess for the NBA, it ties, it ties into a very, a, yeah. a very interesting um, the article black I read. That's where have all the white players gone? Exactly, because mm-hmm. the white, the black NBA player is seen as their gifted one, naturally athletic, 
and the white NBA players, you know, is the one that comes in without the gifts or the skills. So you see a white NBA player dunking, like, oh my god, this has to make it to the highlights reel. Okay, but let me just tie that in as well to, you know, something that's really an overriding factor about life. You take you take the opportunities that you feel you have a, the best shot at. You know, um, it's it's so like um, uh, this sports historian was asked a question and he, and he was asked and he said, um, why is it that the United States doesn't do so well at football, like soccer, so to speak? And the answer was plain, like, you know, their best athletes don't play soccer. They just don't compete in that. They just don't compete. You know, they pick other sports where they have, you understand, a better chance to succeed. And those are the facilities. And those place. are the facilities. And, you know, there's a racial element to the reason why we have so many black athletes in the NBA. Because it's about opportunities that are available to you. Not to take a tangent, but it's just like the biggie lyric. Either you have a wicked, either <laughs> you're making, you know, crack rock, or you have a wicked jump shot. Yeah. You know, it, it's, 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 it's a stack either or for it, most. It's a stacked either or, you know, and you, it's, it's very tough competition. And it's one of the few ways that you can, you know, the few avenues available to you to, you know, to make a lot of money in life. So you take it and you realize that maybe some of these white athletes i just feel like if 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 these were if the opportunities these opportunities meant so much to them there would be as many of them you understand because not to say the black athletes are working harder but i think they want it more and it means more to them because I wouldn't expect them to be selected over white players who are better. If you're a good player, you're a good player. You can't fall through the cracks. If you're assessed and you're good, you're good. You understand? But I feel like maybe people who are really at the bottom of the rung have a much stronger competitive drive because they know that really there is no safety net. Every inch counts. And every inch counts. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. And I think that's 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 one of not I'm not going to, I'm not trying to say that's the only reason, but that's maybe one of maybe a thousand reasons why we see, you know, more representation amongst, you know, more lower income more lower income groups in sports. And that's and that's just that's just what it is. But um one thing I wanted to talk about, you know, earlier on, sorry for bringing that up now, was when it comes to African players, right? Mm-hmm. Are they the way they are because of, you know, how the game is sold to them? You understand me? So, for example, they come in and then they tell them that, look, this is your, you won't get an opportunity better than this. You understand me? And what we expect from you is for you to be this and this and that. It kind of goes back to what we said, the demand that's and great, supply. That's yeah. a great point. And, mm-hmm. and I'm, for me, I'm not going to lie. I believe this to be true. You know, you have to, you have to also follow the trajectory of, you know, you can just pick a young player, you know, and the trajectories that some of them take. Maybe it it's more demonstrable because maybe there aren't that many black players around, so you can actually see it. But then you see a lot of, you know, black players from their youth, you know, switching positions from more technical roles to more, you know, workmanlike roles. I, I, I mean, to give you a big example, I mean, you look at John Obi Mikel in the under seventeen tournament. He was, he was a, you understand, he was an, it was a 
gifted dribbling attacking midfielder. Yeah. You understand? He was making all the and he still chances. he still does that for Nigeria when he plays for them. Exactly. He plays as an attacking so he midfielder. Still has the yeah. He clearly still has the, the skills, but, but then at Chelsea he will play in but then at, midfield. Yeah, at, yeah. at at the football club, you know, they're saying, Okay, do you know what? You do you do the you carry the water, you do yeah. the tough tackling, yeah. you do the passing. And not to say that's bad, but as Donald said, are these affecting the opportunities? And I feel they are. Yeah. You know, there's this very well-known story about. I'm, I'll, I'll try to find the name, but it was a it was a young black quarterback who didn't end up who ended up in a school that wasn't really highly rated because all the schools that recruited him wanted to change his position to a defensive position. You understand? So he ended up in a school that was a rank below. But the top to schools, the but he got to play, and he ended up in the in in the NFL as a quarterback, which means if he had taken the better scholarships that were available to him, he would have had to change his position. So which shows that it's something that is happening, and that's where I have a problem because you don't expect a kid who's who's worked so many years for an opportunity to turn it down. Just because he wants to play a position, when he understands that this is a chance and opportunity that comes, yeah. exactly. So you 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 end up, you know, you end up also, you understand, pigeonholing these kids, these young sportsmen, putting them in a box, and and you know, they end up having to end up playing a position that they don't want, and it's like don't answer. So are we going to end up with? You know, teams of midfielders. I feel like some African national teams are full of midfielders as far as... And this is, yeah, this is testament to what's really happening because, hey, you look... That's the one-position teams. You look like a midfielder. Historically, this is what what a midfielder looks like. You have the skills, play midfield. Yeah, but Moose, you you spoke about this uh, a while back. You said uh, when players usually come to pick players from Africa. They have to teach them a lot of things all over again. Yeah. So is that a case of them limiting what they have to, you know, teach them? If they, if they feel like, okay, fine, we can't teach you all the technical stuff again, so we'll just... That's also an assumption, though. I, un- I understand. That yeah. I think your capacity to, uh, to learn a new skill or to improve yeah. on this attributes or this ability of yours is so limited yeah I'm just going to focus <coughs> on you strengthening exactly but I'm, that's, that's I'm, what I'm saying I feel like I'm more accepting of that because on a grander scale you have to understand that these people don't these football clubs don't have time to waste and I think that's more testament to the fact that they pick some of these young players from here quite late you know they're they actually passed their formative years because if some sports scientists are to believe, well, I believe it's anyway. You know, a sports skill is very transferable. You know, if up to a certain age, your sports skill is transferable. I mean, you have someone like Gareth Bale who was a great rugby player under 14. You have the Neville brothers who were great mm-hmm. cricketers. Like, I think they were, like, national level. It's you know? Stretch, yeah. yeah, so... There, I mean, there's you know, there's 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 always an athletic and intellectual component of sport that's transferable. I mean, you can play a different sport up to a point, switch to a new sport, and then still be good at it. But after a while, it's going to be you know troublesome to not have to bring you up to speed. That's how come we hear about the likes of um, 
I think uh, Tim Duncan, who, you know, you hear about so many of these African players who never held a basketball till their teens. But suddenly... I but suddenly, you know, but you, yeah, but I, I would... That's a sensationalization of the story, fine, but you, they also don't speak about the fact that they were playing other sports. You know, Tim Duncan was a really good swimmer. It wasn't as if they just jumped yeah. in. Exactly. It wasn't <laughs> as if they just jumped in. They were playing. It's exactly. a ball. Yeah. You know, they were playing yeah. other sports. They just transferred what they had learned to them, picked up the new sport. I mean, I think Joel Embiid says he didn't, yeah, he didn't pick up a basketball till, you know, till his teens. And so was it the guy at the box right now? Uh, yeah, Tone Maker. Yeah. Yeah, Tone okay. Maker. Yeah. You know, like, so, but that's also another thing. But on a side, I guess Barcelona are thinking of um, opening a football academy in Nigeria. Nigeria. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I, that's very interesting. And that's that also opens up, you know, as a parent and as a parent and as an individual who's trying to get your child to be a professional footballer, you should be prepared to make sacrifices. And I feel like, you know, you should pre- like as as a Ghanaian parent, if you feel like your child is good enough, it shouldn't be beyond you to travel to Nigeria you understand yeah. to to you know to 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 have a tryout with your to have your kid try out for the team you know because the more sports academies that come here the better because you have to understand if it's 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 a job but this is a job that starts really early it's so like school you know if you want your kid some people want their kids to be engineers they start them out they give them you know puzzles they give them puzzles they give them legos they yeah. give them you know they give them stuff that they feel will build the cognitive skills that are transferable mm-hmm. to that career and mm-hmm. you should also start as well you should also see see that as far as football is concerned so so, yes, I do agree with what Donald said, that sometimes when they pick the players late, they have to teach them again. But that's just more to players not being able to move to these academies yeah. at a young enough age yeah. to, you know, to to be able to first adapt to a different... You know, you have to understand they have to adapt to a different country as well as learn to play the sports the way it's played where they are going to be playing it. Yeah. yeah, and just to tie 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 in it a nice a nice little bow to what we <laughs> said. I mean, one one great one glorious opportunity that we get to observe with Barcelona having academy is what do they focus on? Yeah, because as an academy, they want different skill set, different types of players coming through. So if Barca is able to break through that mold of saying, "Hey, we can actually develop African athletes that are highly technical." Who knows? That might just break the narrative of African players just being pure, robust <laughs> midfielders. It doesn't need to break the narrative. But African players are technical. That. They are just not giving their due for being, you know, great technicians. We have so many. But that's so a narrative. Many. What I mean by break the narrative, as in that's the narrative that the average sports fan is reading. So mm-hmm. it has to be broken in their, mm-hmm. I guess, in the media's eyes or their the general perception. Yeah. But I feel like if if they are still great technicians and they are not being spoken about, then it just comes down to the people who are supposed to be telling the truth aren't telling the truth. So more truth isn't really going to change it. It really has to... What has to change is people have to be more honest Moose. with how they describe the... If describe Barcelona finds a Nigerian kid that they feel <laughs> is the next Messi and then that hype is behind that kid, that's going to go a long way 
to at least changing the discord and the conversation okay. as opposed to us shining more light to players in something. the past and present. Barcelona have found a Korean kid who's supposed to be the next Messi, but I don't see enough being talked Talk about, about Korea being, you know, a nation that produces, you know... They also have their own stereotype to fight against. Yeah, that's true. They are runners, energetic, never get tired. Never get tired. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like you're describing parts you saw. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But, oh, no, you, you see, we're not. That's what I'm saying. We're not saying it's wrong. It keeps going on for so long that it becomes problematic, and it also yeah. speaks to the prejudice that's mm-hmm. held, you know, in the upper rungs of the sport. And something has to be done about it because sports mirrors society. Society does have a race problem, mm-hmm. and sports really does have a race problem. Yeah. And it it's 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 a very ugly specter that has to be dealt with so that. You understand more opportunities are afforded to the people who deserve them, regardless of their race or creed, if you put in the hard work. I mean, we feel like as far as life goes, sports should be one of the most, you know, egalitarian frontiers of life. You work hard. It's merit. It's it's ultimately, you know, it's ultimately based on merit. You work hard, you you make it out. It's a pure meritocracy. The guys who are good are the guys who make it there, plain and simple. You know, it's not because of how they look or, you know, who they know or how someone feels about them. If you're good enough, you make it. But sadly, it doesn't feel that way. And that's the reason why we've taken our time to speak on this. On this. So we just hope, you know, you look out, you look out for some of these things and, you know, you're able to accurately see them for what for what they are because they have the skills and they should be treated you know they should be treated should on be given the merit the merit, of their skills yeah, yeah. plain and simple yeah even even I feel like there's a general feeling amongst us right now that this topic hasn't been exhausted there's just so much more oh, we yeah. could you know delve into but we're gonna have to call it uh, we're gonna have to wrap it up right now mm-hmm. Uh, ATW listeners uh, do get in touch with us uh, share your examples experiences if you have them personal ones or your observations about this issue I mean do you, if you feel we went a bit overboard in criticizing or maybe you didn't do enough in terms of discussing solutions do let us know uh, our email address is after the whistle or one word at the goldcoastreport.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at GCRATW. That's GCRATW. Just slide into our DMs or just, <laughs> you can even just write on our, uh, our timeline. We will definitely hit you up and get back to you. Yeah. Uh, on Facebook and Instagram, uh, hit us up on at the Gold Coast Report. All one word at the Gold Coast Report. If you want to listen to our other our older episodes, just go to our website, thegoldcoastreport.com, hit on the top podcast, click on the After the Whistle images, and voila, you have our past episode. So from the ATW team, it's goodbye, and catch you next week. If they slide into our DMs, we are no road, we're hey, that's <laughs> It's an ATW policy. We respond to every message we get. <laughs> okay, bye, guys. All right, bye, guys. Bye, guys. Va a golpear Cristiano, se espatarra el bicho. Va a golpear con la derecha, chuta Cristiano. Gol. Costa turns out the final. Hazard. 
have won the title for Leicester City tonight. Irving and Curry, one-on-one. Irving puts it up. It's good. Kyrie Irving from downtown.